beautiful day, how things are flowing in such a way. I love, love it when the Spirit moves like this. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Thank you, Father God, for your grace and your mercy and your peace. My Lord, I ask that it continues to settle. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you well up in this place, the living water that you are, touching everyone's heart. Thank you that you are moving in this place, Lord. Thank you that you are clearing the path. You are washing away the dross. And like I see a picture of a river running and flowing. And it's after there's been a flood. So there's been a lot of devastation. So there's sort of garbage and stuff at the side where it's been washed out. But I see a fresh water coming through. I see that fresh water picking up the flotsam and jetsam and washing it downstream and clearing it. And we're left in pure waters, clean waters, our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. So what I'm going to cut this from a sermon to a sermonette because I'm very aware of the time. Uh, but let me read to you from Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16, if you'd like to turn there, please. We read, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forgot, forget, I will never forget you. Now, unfortunately, we know that mothers can forget their child. Mothers can. You see so many up for adoption. You see children left on doorsteps where they have been forgotten. But always bear in mind that God is speaking through this and saying that I, though she may forget you, I will not forget you. I will never forget you. And it goes on to say in that verse, though may, behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. So symbolically, I have written on my hands here. So there is God, but this is this is this washes off. This is ink. You see, sometimes Pastor David will write something on his hands to remind him. But your Father in heaven, your heavenly Father, has engraved your name upon His palms. That much He loves you. That much that you are ever before Him. It's sort of like when one might have a tattoo of a sweetheart's name upon them. We won't go into the rights and wrongs of tattoos. But the fact being that that is indelible, it's there for good, it does not wash away. And that's how God feels about every one of us. We are his sweethearts. We are. He is the lover of our souls and he wants what's best for you in every way, shape and form. Um, there's too much confusion in this world. Who... Uh, chaos, confusion, carnage, and calamity. Four seas with very negative undertones to them. But there is one sea, Christ, which is the powerful one. That is the sea that we look to. Our Lord 
Jesus Christ, the one and only, the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other before him or after him. He is Lord of all. Heaven is throne, the earth is footstool. This is um, not a one-point sermon, and it's not the traditional three-point sermon. This sermon is called The Train Journey, and it's to do with identity. And the two prongs of that attack being who you are and where you are. We know who we are as Christians, we are sons and daughters of the living God. Your father is the king of heaven. We are princes and princesses. And our brother is the prince of peace, Jesus. We are also temples of the indwelling place, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, filling us. Now, why this is called the train journey is because a few weeks back, probably five weeks ago, that matters not. It was a mid-autumn day. It was before it started the present downpour of rains continuously. And it was a lovely, bright, sunshiny day. The light was shining down low in the sky as it does. The leaves, because there's still quite a few out there now, were hanging gaily on the tree. Proper meaning of the word gaily. It's beautiful. And they were, and the light was filtering through. And I looked upon it as I was walking up to St. Mary Cray Station because I was going to um, Denmark Hill, King's College Hospital, to have a scan done on my head. Another one. It's a, they keep doing scans, but as yet I've had no results. I presume they found nothing. So uh, it's a bit like man's uh, search for life on other planets. Keep trying, but as yet, nothing. But anyway, as I'm walking up the hill, because St. Mary Cross Station is on a hill, I'm looking at all the trees and the bright day. I'm saying good morning to the folk who live on this state where I live, because uh, it was an early morning. And I just thought, isn't God so amazing? Isn't creation amazing? Isn't it just so beautiful? It really is. It is. It touches you so deeply. It brings tears to your eyes, if you're that way inclined, and I am. Um and as I've, got, I've reached the station and then I've gone, gone on to the platform and then I've looked about and this is all I saw was people and like this. Everyone's glued. Everyone's glued. No, there was no chatting to each other going on like used to be the case. There was just people zoned out, lost in the uh, yeah, in their phones, not talking, not doing anything. Then the train rolled in, the doors slid open, and everyone marched on the train. Literally, they were like robots, like, still like this, as the train doors opened. And they were all seated. There wasn't any problem finding a seat because... Um, as it used to be, I remember, because I used to work at London quite a bit as a bricklayer, you would have trouble sitting because it was jammed. So there was standing space and people like this. But since COVID has hit, the the aftermath of that is that there's nowhere near as many people on the trains. I've observed, that's how it feels to me anyway. 
So you end up, there's no problem sitting down. So I, I was I was seated. And then I'm I'm looking about for someone to talk to, as is my way. I, good morning, have a chat, get to know them a bit in the in the journey, in the 20, 25 minutes that you've got. And then chat Jesus is is my way, if I can. But to achieve that, I would have had to have pulled the earbuds out of someone's ears. The only, the only conversation I could hear going on in the whole train, whereas I say it used to be on a commute, you'd have friends who worked together talking, chatting, and, and other people. But it was either the phone, the iPad, or even the laptop. And they're all there. And they're all eyes down. No one's engaging. No one's looking at each other. No eye contact. I could have stripped off and danced. No one would have noticed. But, uh, but the only conversation I could hear was a, a young lady further down the coach having a row with her boyfriend. But it didn't matter because the, the expletives were bouncing off the walls of the carriage. But it mattered not because she, because she had earbuds in. She couldn't hear how loud she was talking. But, of course, it didn't matter because everybody had earbuds in. So no one could hear anything. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at them and then I'm looking at their faces and I'm, I'm sort of trying to trying to read them and the Holy Spirit then started to sort of filter in to me as, as I'm as I'm looking at them and at first of all I was quite aggravated and annoyed which is not right is it but then I felt myself softening and then I looked at them and they they looked confused they looked upset. They, because they, they, or they just zoned out like like robots. There they are. So much going on. Um, just tuned in to whatever social media feed they're on, or whatever else they might have been doing. But no one was talking to each other. That that's all it was. It was that. So I've um, then felt the Holy Spirit urging me, and then I felt like well, where it says in Matthew, when Jesus saw the crowds. He had pity and compassion upon them because they were lost and confused like sheep without a shepherd. And I looked at them, and there they are. Just people, obviously a lot of them don't know Jesus, but if stats are anything to go by, at least a third of the people on that carriage or thereabouts should know Jesus. And there was no communication. Everyone was zoned out. As I as I said, since since um, there's places to sit because there's hardly anyone on the, the trains anymore compared to there was. But people still aren't talking to each to each other because what's happened is we've got into this um, way where we understand, like a lot of people now. You know, I, I, because I work around people's houses a lot, I would say. Yeah, obviously some are retired, so that's naturally expect them at home. But even those of working age, seven out of the ten of the last houses have had at least one member of the household working from home. I'm not saying there is anything wrong with that, but we are made to be tactile, to be gregarious, to mix and mingle with each other, to laugh, to joke, to have fun, to love. There was a sign on the uh, wall of the carriage on the divide which proclaimed, be kind to one another. 
I looked at that and obviously that's one of the fruits of the spirit, but I could see none of that going on. They were like zombies. So literally, if you don't know Jesus, that is what you are. You literally are a zombie. You are the living dead. Because what are you doing? You're walking down the wide path, which leads to perdition, which leads to hell. That's where you're walking if you don't know Jesus. So my, my heart was for them. And as it also says in Scripture, Jesus wept. And I could feel a tree, a tear, not a tree, a tear welling in my eye. And then my attention, I looked away from the carriage and my attention was drawn because we had now left the leafy suburbs and we were approaching the outskirts, outskirts of the urban jungle, the big smoke of London. I was getting near Denmark Hill. And there, emblazoned upon everything, was graffiti. Tags written here and there. You know, tags being nicknames or within the groups that they, they mix. They mix it all up together and they write their names. And they, they get up on... And, they, and, and, it, and, I was, and I'm looking at the inside of uh, train tunnels and there's names written upon them where people have risked life and limb to get there to, to spray their name up. And then I'm looking upwards at buildings and there's graffiti everywhere, names, tags, da, 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 da. like it's, it's moved on from Bill was here to lots of strange names. And then bearing in mind that I've just, Spirit has put it on my mind that they are like zombies. I've then, my attention's been drawn to a tall tower block and there was a tag up there. And guess what it said? That's right, zombie. So I was drawn to it. I was drawn to it and I thought, well, that's confirmation if ever there was anything, that this is how these poor folk are. So this, where, where they, they put their name on high, that they may look up and they're their friends and their peers and their buddies and their pals and their gangs and whatever, 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 look up and then their kudos their affirmation is found in their friends. Their name is on high on top of a, a building, a huge tower block. And they must have leant right over the side like that to write it upside down and get it correct and move all the way along. As I say, risking life and limb. Bless you. And um, we should be looking up to God, shouldn't we? That's who we look up as Christians. We look up to Jesus. He's on high. He's the one that we fix our eyes up to. But they, not knowing him, they're looking up. They are looking up to Jesus, to um, their own names. They are looking for affirmation from their friends, not affirmations from the God who loved you so much that he has your names emblazoned on his hands, etched upon his heart. He loves you so much. Not only, you know, this God, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He numbers the hairs upon your head. He numbers your days. He even counts your tears and puts them in a bottle. And he jots everyone down in his book, his book of life also. Well, if he keeps my tears, since I've been a Christian, since I've known Jesus, he must have an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Because, yeah. Yeah, isn't it lovely being emotional and being in his presence and just feeling him moving like we have done today? Words of knowledge moving about. 
the good the, the people out there they don't communicate where it used to be another thing is where um you used to have a three-foot fence down the middle of the gardens everyone now when they want fences replaced them six foot plus when it's six foot stick another 10 on if i can so I just can put myself in my box. I don't have to mix. I don't have to look to each other. The, out the front of their houses is a, a wrought-iron gate that opens automatically and shuts, and it's like a security. It's like a fortress. Now, our fortress is Jesus Christ. He's the one in which we stand firm. He's our strong fortress and our tower. He is everything to us. But those, I'm not, say, I'm not saying it's just people who don't know Jesus, but what the general thing being is that we are nothing... Like in the Garden of Eden, when we were at perfect peace and harmony with God, when we were talking, he used to visit us. We used to walk with him. We used to know him so intimately. And then, of course, sin came in another time. But now six-foot fences, not only that, but you can talk to the person who knocks upon your door through a camera with a speaker on it. So, or you'd so say they're either like this, earbuds in, not seeing, not hearing. Mm. They will not know, will they? They do not know Jesus. So what happened to love thy neighbour? What happened to Derek told me the other week that uh, and also Carl, if he's here, they both mentioned something which feeds into this. But Derek, when he cleans out the front of his house can litter up and whatnot because people unfortunately use the front of his garden as a rubbish bin as there aren't any on the lampposts he used to always chat to people as they walk past and he's heard people talking as they walk past and it's the same thing for him he's turned thinks they're talking to him and they're not they're talking to someone else they got their earbuds in and then they are they're down there and then and then carl was telling me that um his his neighbor went away on holiday with uh, their the children, as you do, and the child forgot his charger for his phone. And it was like, and no one had a charger that fitted. So, And they'd gone out into the world and there was no way of getting anywhere. And that the child just it ruined his whole holiday. Four days, he was wrecked. And, uh, oh, oh, and, and, and the, it, he didn't enjoy the holiday at all. And they said it was, it, when he got in, he rushed in with his phone to get the plug and the, like, fit the charger in it. He wasn't worried about anything else. He just shot like a greyhound from the traps. And he plugged in the phone, a bit like a junkie running for a needle. He'd been cold perky. That is where we're at in society. And as we know, we need to let them know. So when, when my, one question for you is, when you look at people in the world, and even loved ones who are in our family who don't know Jesus. Do you come with the compassion of the Christ, compassion of Jesus? Or do you come with the narrow-minded, short-sighted judgment of Jonah, who, as we know, went to Nineveh, God ordered him to, to try and rescue and save people. But he found them disgusting, repulsive, repugnant. He did not want to go there. He ran. He was forced back. He was made to go. God showed him so much grace, and yet he would not extend that to others. And this is, yeah. So our, our, our affirmation 
is found in Jesus. But those out there in the world do not know him. Those who don't, we need to let them know. The Great Commission has never been rescinded. It still stands up behind me there on the left. And are, are we fulfilling that? Am I fulfilling that? No, not as much as I should. Not as much as I could. I could say I would, but we never make time. There should be more time for our neighbours, for our family, for our friends, for those who don't know Jesus. We must reach out. And then when you have run your race and you stand before God at the end of it all, remembering that he has your name written down, let me just refer to some notes here. Might be an idea, mightn't it? This bit is important. So when people write down their names on buildings with some weird tag like zombie or crank or space or what well, I've seen so many. I mean, they're appearing all around my state now as well. I mean, they always have done, but more and more things are being defaced by them. You are speaking whatever that name means over you and it's one of the enemy's ways of drip feeding into society to having talked about gated premises a phone so that everyone communication is now one or two dimensional not 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 as it should be but the enemy with covid with all the chaos confusion the carnage as i said earlier has filled up the cup of fear to overflowing the only way out of this, the only freedom is knowing Jesus as we do. So these names, listen, you know, um, that uh, Isaiah 49, 15 and 16 that I spoke earlier, your names are engraved in the palms of my hands, I will never forget you. He says to God of you. is you know, that is what Jesus has for you. That is what Father God has for you. But the enemy, whenever the enemy comes in, so you, you, you know, we've all had negative connotations at school, haven't we? I used to get called, what was it? Um, well, obviously, simple Simon, it's quite an easy one. I don't know why. And and also, my, my surname, Swift, because I'm not the fastest. So you used to get, oh, Swift by name, but not by nature, from one of my very uh, knowledgeable teachers, and they said it in front of the whole class, and that was it. It followed me right through my whole school until I finished. You know, it never went anywhere. But now I find my affirmation and the true, real person that I am in Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. So let us, um, let me just say this to you. You know, that that uh, forty nine sixteen comes from the time when Judah was in Babylon, the Babylonian exile, and do you know we know that they were all renamed, yeah. But do you know the, what those names mean? So when you go, it, oh yeah. Anyway, let's just say it. Here is an example of a negative undermining of God's people. Daniel, as we know, the head honcho meaning God is my judge, that's the Hebrew name given by God, became Belteshazzar, which means lady, protect the king. 
So there is a direct, black, blatant attack on sexuality. Straight there. Then you've got Hananiah, which means God has been gracious, became Shadrach. We know, we know those. Meaning, I am fearful of God. And Azariah, which means Yahweh has helped, was morphed to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, which was a Babylonian god. So his identity was just reclaimed by that name. And then, last but not least, was Mishael, which means who is what God is. I mean, what a lovely name. So we are made in his image, and Mishael means who is what God is. So image-wise, that's what we are. And that changed to Meshach, which means I am despised and shameful before God. Those, those, that's what um, was done to them. And it's the same thing with the nicknames that, or Mickey-taking names or anything that's been thrown at you in the past. The negative connotations of all those things just feed into the en enemy's way of topping up fear, of undermining and tipping us over the edge so we don't know Jesus. So I'll, I'll end it there, but the ministry team will be available if anyone would like to come up for prayer about any of these things. And as I finish, I will just do this, which there's a lot more to this, but time has run short. I'm over as it is. So when we're in Revelation 3, it also speaks of, a fine, of, of the blessing when we come home to our Lord Jesus. When we, we, when we enter the white throne room and we sit before him and he will approach us and he will produce a white stone for each and every one of us with our name written on it, a new name, known only to us and him, because he, he loves you. And the white, that white stone signifies on whatever you mean, but whatever way you read it, it's positive, because it used to be in the Greek of the New Testament it was written. But when judgment was made upon a person, you were either given a black stone for guilty or a white stone for innocent. And we are all found innocent before God if we're in Jesus. Not only that, but it also used to be a white stone with your name engraved on it, hung round the neck if you were an athlete in the Roman uh, games. And that was given for victory. Same thing. So we are innocent because of the blood that Jesus shed upon the cross for us, the, pay, the price paid by the, lower, the Lamb of God for each and every one of us because he loves us so much, loves us so much that he has our names engraved upon his hands and he will never forget us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, yeah, and not only that, but we are victorious because we will run our race, stay close to him. Never, he will never, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Just stay close. Love your God as he loves you and all will be well. Bless you.